Hello, welcome to the Adventist Healthcare and You podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Nimit. February is Heart Month, and we have an excellent guest today to talk about heart care, Dr. Michael Chen, who is the Director of Cardiac Catheterization Lab at White Oak Medical Center and the Chair of Cardiology at Shady Grove Medical Center. He's with Cardiac Associates. Welcome, Dr. Chen. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Chen, tell us about yourself, what you do at Adventist Healthcare, and what's your specialty in Adventist Healthcare? So, I'm an interventional cardiologist. And what that means is that when patients come in, if they have blockage in the blood vessels of the heart, then I would put stents in there to open up the blockage. And also take care of general cardiology patients. So patients with palpitations, skipped heartbeats, with heart failure, with leg discomfort as well. And I'm chair of cardiology over at Shady Grove and director of the cardiac catheterization lab at White Oak Medical Center. So at Shady Grove, we take care of a lot of heart attack patients. We're a very busy heart attack center there and uh, we open up blockages for patients, especially they can be in the middle of the night on the weekends, patients who are having heart attacks. And then at White Oak, being director of the cardiac cath lab there, we're a much busier, larger cardiac catheterization lab. We do more procedures there. Mm-hmm. And there we do procedures ranging from stents for patients who are outpatients to heart attacks as well. And then we also do a structural heart disease and peripheral arterial disease. So that can be patients with blockage in the neck, blockage in the leg. We can fix those. And we have a structural heart disease team that can actually uh, put in heart valves there uh, without having to open up the chest. So that's one of the things that's special about Adventist Healthcare and the Heart and Vascular Institute is we have these two community hospital, but we offer a lot of advancements in heart care that you don't you don't have to travel for. Yes, exactly. So Shady Grove is probably one of the busiest heart attack uh, centers in, in the state of Maryland. And we provide excellent care there. In terms of saving lives, when people come in with a heart attack, their heart is not getting enough blood flow. And so we open up that blockage and they feel better and that can, that's can that been proven to save lives. Then White Oak, as you point out, that's our tertiary care center. And we have a lot more specialized procedures there. We do bypass surgery there and valve surgery there. Okay. Well, and I don't think that's something that people know that, yeah. that Shady Grove Medical Center is one of the busiest heart attack care centers in Maryland. Both of our hospitals offer some of the best cardiac care in the state. So we're, we're really proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in just in a couple of minutes that you're describing what you do, I think you packed in so much in there <laughs> in just two minutes. I think people don't realize how much, what goes into it, what goes into relieving a blockage and mm-hmm. what kind of medications you're on and what kind of non-invasive procedures there are nowadays that are there with decreased risk um, for, for surgeries for minimal, uh, minimally invasive. Right. And uh, actually I would, Take it there. You, you talked about advances in mm-hmm. care, yeah. and I, I totally agree with that. But I think one other thing to point out, both at Shady Grove and also at White Oak, is we also have uh, excellent uh, cardiac rehabilitation programs, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the cutting-edge technology to treat the patients, but then once they're recovered from their heart attack, from their valve surgery, from their TAVR, then we can get them in cardiac rehab, get them exercising, increasing what they can do on a functional basis. Yeah, making sure they recover safely and continue to see improvements Absolutely. as and well. The, and the continuity of care with the, having the same similar teams at a similar place yeah. mm-hmm. after they get the surgery too is, is highly valuable. Um, on the lines of that, like when a patient is looking for a new heart doctor or a cardiac physician, what are they supposed to look for? What are they supposed to look for our team? What are you, so, some of your recommendations? So I would say, first of all, it probably comes down to patient to referrals. Referrals mm-hmm. being out. If I were a patient, I would ask my family member, mm-hmm. uh, who, who do you like as your cardiologist? I would ask my friend, my primary care doctor. Mm-hmm. 
I think word of mouth is very important and should not be underestimated. Because Absolutely. I think in general, if the patient's friend or family has had a good experience with a cardiologist, then that cardiologist will probably also treat that patient well as well. So look for somebody that can develop a relationship with you. Yeah. And then after that, then of course, you know, there are many doctor rating sites. Mm-hmm. You can, usually you can look at those. Sometimes those can be gamed, but it's probably at least worth taking a look at. Yeah. yeah. And then along those lines, you can, you probably also want to check into the doctor's credentials. And credentials, you know, if they're from very good institutions, that can be beneficial. However, that's not the be-all or Mm end-all. There can be very smart doctors from great institutions, but if they don't have good bedside manner, if they can't communicate with the patients, if, you know, then that's really not that beneficial. You you need a doctor, at least as a patient, you need a doctor who you'd be comfortable with and are willing to work in partnership with. I always tell my patients, hey, when I'm treating you, this is a partnership and we will together make the best decisions for you. It's not going to be me dictating, here's what you need to mm-hmm. do, but what can we do together to make your health the best? Yeah. I think it's really important what you said though, is do your, is, is do some research. Yeah. That it's, it's okay to do that and find the right person for you. Yeah. And, and looking around is, is a good place to start. Cause I think sometimes people don't know what to do. You know, how do I go about even finding somebody that, you know, my doctor says I need a cardiologist. Where do I even start? Right. So that was good advice. Right. And then along those lines, I guess, then if you need a procedure done, be it a catheterization, well, that's a procedure where we go and take a look at the blood vessels of the heart mm-hmm. or say maybe electrophysiology procedure, like a pacemaker, defibrillator, uh, then you may, then I think it's fair. You probably do want to at least ask the doctor, how long have you been practiced for? How many procedures have they done? Mm-hmm. Get a sense of experience too. Yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned that in Inverness Healthcare, we've done a tremendous amount of procedures and also it's more of a one-stop shop where if you do get a procedure done, I think the rehab factor kicks in significantly yes. as well. And that's something people should look for at an institute at least uh, when they're picking their provider. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, you talked about kind of one-stop shops there. So um, beyond cardiac rehab, just mm-hmm. to mention a, I wouldn't call it cutting edge technology, but a very unique capability of, of Venice Healthcare is, I believe we are, if not, maybe we, we may be the only one, if not then one of the few hospitals in Maryland to offer uh, EECP. And what EECP is, enhanced external counterpulsation. That, that's basically a treatment uh, done actually through cardiac rehab as well, uh, where they rehab people would put pumps on the patient's legs and they kind of pump it back and back and forth for about an hour or so. And what that is for is for patients who have uh, pretty severe coronary artery disease to the point where often you can't do anything further for them, but they're still having chest discomfort. They're not good candidates for surgery. You can't do any more stents, but they're still having angina, still having chest discomfort. And so this EECP has had really good results in helping decrease the amount of angina, the amount of chest discomfort that someone has. And proud to say that Shade Grove Hospital may be one of the few, if not the only one in Maryland, having this EECP program done as an offshoot of cardiac rehab. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a quality of life, you know, oh, so yeah. it may not seem the most advanced, but it's something unique and it's something that improves the quality of life of someone, which is really important when trying to live with heart disease. Yeah. So, super important. Yeah. So we've talked about a couple advances already and some unique offerings. What advances, what other advances in treatment for heart disease and other heart conditions, heart attack that have come about over the last few years? So there's a couple that come to mind. One would be the change in the approach we take when we're doing cardiac catheterizations. So cardiac catheterizations are when we're going into a patient's blood vessel, into their artery to go up to their heart and take pictures of the blood vessels of the heart. And we're doing that if we're suspicious for any kind of blockage there. Mm -hmm. 
So say 10, 15 years ago, 90% of procedures were done through the groin, a femoral approach. Uh, since then, there's really been a uh, shift towards doing them through the wrist, called uh, going through the radial artery. And with that, there's been a lower incidence for bleeding. Patients actually prefer going through the wrist than through the leg because, because they don't have to lay flat quite as long. And there's better patient outcomes uh, when... Uh, one goes through the wrist, then through the leg. So that's one approach that's really exciting is that now you can get a catheterization done and then literally be up walking around shortly thereafter. Whereas before, if you go through the leg, you might have to be laying flat for two to six hours. So that, I mean, that would be one kind of the shift from femoral artery to radial artery catheterization. I'm proud to say at White Oak Medical Center, we're probably doing maybe, again, it used to be, you know, going through the wrist was maybe five, 10% of, of cases 10, 15 years ago. Now I think at White Oak, we're probably around 70% or so. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. I think the recovery aspect is probably better too yeah. since it's not through the groin, it's, the, it's through the wrist. It's it, least, less invasive. Exactly. Less so, invasive. Yeah, less so it's not, better. you know, heart care has really changed over the last couple of years. You know, there's a lot of minimally invasive ways to go about it now. Yeah. And that would be kind of a good segue into mm -hmm. the second thing I'm really excited about. And that'd be less invasive approaches to replacing valves. Mm -hmm. TAVR, we kind of touched on briefly. And yeah. that there, the, the structural heart team can put in a uh, aortic valve through the groin right, without having to open up the chest, like through the groin with a minimal, you know, minimally invasive procedure. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, the other couple things I'm excited about, heart failure. So heart failure used to be a death sentence and the prognosis for heart failure still is not great, but we've come a long way in the last 10, 15 years with medical therapy for heart failure. I mean, right now there's really four different pillars of, of heart failure therapy and what we call it beta blockers, something called uh, Entresto, MRAs, which are mineraloreceptor corticoid antagonists. And then another class of medicine is called SGO2 inhibitors. And so with these four classes of medicines, the survival for heart failure has really improved dramatically. And it's very interesting because especially this, this last class called SGLT2 inhibitors, those are medicines like Jardians and Farziga. So go back to about 2014, those actually used to be just medicines for diabetes. Mm. And they found that patients with diabetes who also had some heart problems actually did better. The companies then did specialized trials looking at these medicines just for heart failure patients. And now these medicines are actually approved for heart failure independent of diabetes. So, uh, you know, all these medicines for heart failure are really making a difference in treatment for heart failure. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's great that, you know, you said like just a decade ago, heart failure was almost like a death sentence. And yeah. now it's not. Now there are right. options and right. there's treatments and there's things that we've seen over the past few years that works. And, you know, people could have a, a better outcome or a better quality of life. So there's how much progress. things can change in, yeah. a, in a relative short period of time, too. Right. And that's that's really rewarding because yeah. we measure heart failure in part by what's called the ejection fraction. That's how much blood is squeezed out of the heart and almost about 50% or higher. And so we may see someone in the office, ejection fraction, new heart failure, maybe 20%. And then you start them all these medicines. And then, I mean, not all the time, of course, but yeah. often a couple months, three months, six months, maybe a year, a couple years later, their ejection fraction is back to normal with these medicines. And it's, you know, they're, they're thrilled when they see that and we're delighted for them. So we've talked a little bit about some interventions, some um medical procedures, medications. Ultimately though, what are some tips to be as heart healthy as we can be? I tell my patients to exercise. And again, it, if they, you know, they don't have to go to a gym, they can just even be out walking out in the neighborhood is fine. Mm -hmm. It's cold weather. You can go to the mall and exercise and walk there. Even if you can't do that, you can walk up and down your steps. If that's safe, do that several times. That's good exercise. Mm -hmm. 
Just something, something to kind yeah, of get move. the, yeah, just move. <laughs> exactly. And then the second thing would be eating healthy. Okay. Uh, eating healthy is so important and it's common sense stuff, but low salt diet, low fat, lots of fruits and vegetables, you know, fish is better than chicken, chicken is better than red meat. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, you know, we mentioned a few things that we do at Adventist, at Adventist Healthcare. What are some of the key things that you think we do at Adventist Healthcare specifically? And, and what's so special about the Heart and Vascular Institute at Adventist Healthcare? So I think at Shady Grove, we have a very tightly-knit STEMI. STEMI is ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction. Fancy medical terms. just means this is the kind of heart attack when someone comes in, uh, the ER or the MS will do an EKG, and if the EKG shows certain changes, then that's an emergency. And then we call people in middle of the night, weekends, doesn't matter, and we're all there within a half hour and start working on, on the patient. And uh, we have a great... Uh, team at Shady Grove mm-hmm. for such um, very tight knit team. Been working together, you know, all of us, you know, for the last several years. Mm-hmm. And then at White Oak, what's really uh, unique there is is really the the heart care team. So when patients come in for a procedure, they start in transcare. Transcare is like the pre procedure area, and the nurses there are are fabulous. They always get among the highest rate rankings for the various units at White Oak Medical Center. Then they come into the cath lab and the cath lab team is experienced, um, very engaged and do a wonderful job as mm-hmm. well. And then they come back out and are taken care of by the trans care nurses along with uh, the nurse practitioners. And bet- between all those uh, people touching the patient at White Oak, uh, we always get very high patient satisfaction scores for our cardiac team at White Oak with the heart team approach there. Okay. I love that you're talking about some of our specific things um, that you just don't really think about. There's so many people that come in and out and it's probably a pretty frightening experience for, for someone that could be having a heart attack or is having some issue. Um, what do the teams do to kind of help the patient walk through that? Yeah. Um, you know, cause that's, that can be frightening. Right. I think it's just really treating each patient as an individual rather than uh rather than just, you know, feeling like they're just another patient yeah. to get through, mm-hmm. you know, get the, take the time, try to get to know them, talk them through the procedure, calm them down, hold their hand, mm-hmm. try to distract them. Yeah. Any of those, any of those yeah, little so it's, work. Yeah. Combining all that wonderful advancements in science and um, technology with the compassion yeah. that uh, Adventist Healthcare is known for. One last question. Are there any newer tests or things around genetics. We hear genetics being talked about a lot in, in different, um, for different medical conditions, cancer and other things. But what about for, for heart? Is genetics kind of a, a newer area in heart care or is that not, not started yet? Yeah, no, definitely a newer area. And interesting that you should mention that because Dr. Freeman and I and myself at Cardiac Associates, we recently completed a pilot program with a small company called OpenDNA. And that is looking at uh, polygenic risk scores in patients. So what polygenic risk scores are basically sampling uh, several genes and then through algorithms trying to calculate what is your lifetime risk for developing coronary artery disease, mm-hmm. for developing diabetes, for developing high, high blood pressure. And it was a pretty you know interesting trial because these patients, you know, we would see them in the clinic, they would come in. Uh, it's just a little cheek swab, very simple. Mm-hmm. And then it's just sent off, it is then processed. And then you, you know, we get a printout back uh, uh, from the company. Let's say, well, you know, based on your, you know, all your genes that, that are assessed, 
you may have like a 10% risk of developing heart disease. You're in the 90th percentile, et cetera. So the thinking there being that if someone knows in advance they're at high risk of developing heart disease, we may then be more aggressive with lifestyle changes, even with statins mm-hmm. to lower cholesterol mm-hmm. you know, earlier on. Okay. And the earlier you catch it, just like with yeah. everything else, the better it is. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you for sharing some of these advancements today. And I'm glad you brought up the understanding your risk, being able to make some changes uh, quickly before you have more ma- major um, issues down the road. Adventist Healthcare has a heart health risk assessment online, asked a couple questions, very, you know, uh, quick and fast. And it can um, help you kind of understand a little bit more about your risk level too. So I encourage our listeners to to take that. So we'll put that uh, resource in the show notes. Actually, you know, one one other thing you talked about advances. Mm-hmm. And this is actually very important too. So obesity is a huge problem mm-hmm. throughout. And lately, car doctors are getting more and more involved with dealing with obesity in terms of, there's a, a medicine out there. It's an injection. It's called, uh, you know, a lot of the listeners may have heard of it, Wagovi. Ah, and or Ozempic. <laughs> exactly. So Ozempic is actually for type 2 diabetics. Okay. Uh, but then that's been shown to have cardiovascular benefit. Mm-hmm. And with that, then Novo Nordisk did further trials looking at Wagovi, which is the same molecule, semaglutide, yeah. but for patients who do not have diabetes. And actually found that uh, in these patients who were overweight, who gave without diabetes and gave them Wagovi, and if these patients had uh, some cardiovascular disease at the uh, pre-existing, it actually, not only did they lose weight, probably about 15, 17% of their body weight, but then they also had less chance for heart attacks, stroke, clinical outcomes too. Okay. So that really could be game-changing as, as far as we think about as cardiologists, all the overweight patients we have, and now there's a medicine to cut, you know, to help them lose weight. They'll feel better, hopefully exercise more, and then actually decrease their chance for having heart attack, stroke, et cetera. Trying to prevent rather than treat. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That's, we um, have addressed that a couple of times on the podcast in in past this sort of, this newer class um, and just weight loss in general. So thanks for bringing up that in terms of how it can actually help your heart health too. So thank you for coming on Dr. Chen. We appreciate your time today. Thank you for sharing these advancements in heart care. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So to find more information about Dr. Chen, visit AdventistHealthCare.com and click on Find a Doctor. Information will also be available in the episode show notes today. To learn more about Adventist Healthcare's Heart and Vascular Institute, visit AdventistHealthCare.com. We'd also love to hear from you, our listeners. You can let us know if you like the podcast by leaving a review or you can email podcast at AdventistHealthCare.com and let us know what healthcare topics you want to know more about. Don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Thank you and be well.